0: Hey, folks, welcome back to DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me as always are Zach and Vince, and we are here to talk about just one book tonight, but it's a book I'm excited to talk about with the boys. It is Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor number one, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Brian Hitch. This is a black label book, but um it doesn't feel like the black label books we've gotten a lot of at DC because it's not a Batman book. Um Zach, let's start with you. You tend to be the number one Superman boy. In our hearts so what did you think of this
1: um well real quick i wanted to note too it is it is brian hitch on art uh pencils but it's kevin nolan on inks
0: yes thank you for noting that
1: which is makes it a very good brian hitch i think i I think they pair really really well together um so this didn't this didn't blow me away or anything kind of like maybe i hoped it would but i I did think it was a really strong start to a, to a three-issue Black Label thing. Um, it's kind of just like a fun... You know, Clark and Lex team up and we get to go through all the, like, fun parts of the Superman mythology. You know, we get to do Candor, we get to do Phantom Zone, we get to do Smallville... it it doesn't really do anything like special or unique in some ways. It's kind of like a weird inverse uh, or reverse all-star Superman, because instead of, instead of Clark being the one who's dying, it's Lex. Um, But it doesn't feel quite as special as all-star yet. So I don't know. Like I, I I did enjoy this, but it didn't blow my mind or anything.
0: Sure. What about you? Vincy boy.
2: Um, I, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, blew my mind. No, but it, it did a lot of the things that I, I really love, uh, that Mark Wade particularly has a a deft touch in doing, which is comparing and contrasting characters and finding, um, you know, parallels and then, and then anti-parallels within them and, 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 Weaving that into an actual the telling of an actual story, you know. Um, there's a lot of moments in this thing, and some of them aren't some of them aren't particularly subtle. There, in fact, there's one moment where Lex says something like, He's talking to a young Clark, and he doesn't know that he's from Krypton. And Lex says something about why why can't why am I cursed to be the only one to understand what it's like to live among People that are nothing like me, or something like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> while
1: Clark just looks very sad, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not subtle at all. But in the context of the story, um, that that Wade is telling, it's a really strong moment. I think, you know. I mean, it runs the risk of almost being almost hitting you over the head with a hammer. But, um, but Wade is really digging into um the things that the characters share even though they turned out wildly different and i think that the characterizations here both characters are very strong um nothing really rings false i don't think um and 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 so it's really just wade it's wade doing like uh clark and lex greatest hits and i think he's particularly good at that maybe one of the best writers at that sort of thing,
0: maybe, maybe the best. That was very Trumpy the way he said it. He's very good, maybe the best. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, uh, I more or less agree with everything that Vince just said. I, I really liked this. Um, I especially liked it because Teenage Lex is a dead ringer for Bobby Budnick from Salute Your Shorts. And, uh, <laughs> Vince, go look at it again. I'm, yeah, exactly no, right I, it.
2: you're right, you're right. Yeah, um, and and the adult Lex, uh, has a shaved head, but in the face there, there's a little Gene Hackman there. So yes, yes, I think at times I feel like that's something I I saw.
0: <laughs> but I you're right. That. He's
2: he's Bobby Budnick.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, which <laughs> that's
2: good. That's great.
0: Is a reference that made me very happy when I came, when I saw it before. I just swelled with joy a little bit. Uh, no, I thought that this is this is very good for a couple of reasons. I think that Wade <coughs> is one of the writers who seemingly has a bead on how to do Superman in a variety of circumstances. Like there are there are writers who do a good job of coming up with Clark stuff, and there are writers who do a good job coming up with like Clark and Lex stuff. But I find that Wade has one of the most like complete toolboxes of. Superman stuff. Case in point the way that Superman stops the the destruction of that island by basically creating like an earthquake neutralizer that is such a perfect Superman skill from the Silver Age but the way that Wade spins it it doesn't seem overly hokey. There is a bullshit scientific explanation for it and it's done with enough gravitas that we believe it. Yeah, and hitch helps a
2: lot there too. It looks that whole sequence looks great visually. Yes,
0: absolutely. Um Wade is also able to pepper this with little Clark Kent moments that feel absolutely real. I think his Lex characterization is spot on. I thought his Zod characterization was spot on. I we what's also interesting about this is we've gotten almost no Lois, no Perry, no Jimmy. Which, for a classic Superman story, is pretty rare. Those characters usually pop up, but I like how this is essentially a two man play with a couple of guest stars here and there. And I think that Wade is doing an exceptional job of getting those characters' voices to ring through crystal clear. And like I said, every situation he's put them in so far, I think he's done a good job with. Yes, Teenage Lex is a little bit over dramatic and, 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 you know, um, over the top. But I know a lot of teenagers and that's not terribly out of character for them, right? Um, I mean, somebody who's definitely not me, but looked a lot like me when I was that age, once quoted uh, the chorus of Bullet with Butterfly Wings to his mom when he was feeling especially uh, put upon. So (laughs) teenagers do stupid emotional stuff all the time. I think the less characterization more or less worked there. Um, and what I the particular thing that I like that Wade does with Clark here is sometimes, I think writers give Clark too easy of an adolescence. and I don't mean that you should make Clark be this like picked on bullied guy, but Clark is a tryhard here. like he purposely sets up a media or a comment rather to like show off to Lex. And I like the idea of Clark just trying really hard to to make a friend, that it's not going particularly well. But because it's Clark, he's not he's not like brought down by it. It just kind of bums him out a little bit. So I I think that every every bit of Wade characterization here is pretty much right on the money.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, uh- and. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. No, go ahead. I was gonna say any more Wade thoughts before we move over to Hitch for a few minutes.
1: Not not really. I wish I kind of had more to say about it, but it is just like we know Wade gets Superman, and so he he gets Superman here, and it's it's just I mean, it is not that like other recent writers haven't, you know, gotten Superman per se, but like this it's just it's just really refreshing to read a Good, very, you know, I, I would say like pretty safe, but also just like very refreshing Superman story.
0: I did have a, a question about this, but I was I was saving it for the end, but I guess we can we can talk about it now. So is the re is the fact that this is a black label book, is that only the case because Lex is actually gonna die at the end of this? because to me there's nothing in this that is particularly out of continuity or out of character for what you'd imagine the main line superman and lex doing is it just because Wade's actually going to kill Lex at the end of it
1: um i don't know cuz it's kind of a brings up like a good question of like what um what black label even like still is to dc um you know is it just a catch-all for out of continuity prestige stories or um because you know for a while there they were still they were still doing stuff kind of like this that would not be black label i can't really remember the last thing that came out but i know that there were some because we've i feel like we've always just been confused about what black label even actually is um Mm -hmm. but i feel like they do less of that now
0: it is the penis imprint, yes.
1: Yeah, it is the penis imprint. But I feel like they do less non-black label stuff uh recently and so I you know I I wonder if or is this... it or is it
2: just the format, you know? Yeah. Or is, is it, it just
0: yeah. the stuff that's going to get like a a rocket strapped on it when it gets to the bookstore market? Yeah. Because this does have like prestige bookstore, uh, trade dress written all over it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: And and Brian, I think whether whether Lex actually does die at the end or not, I think maybe DC just doesn't want to make this a continuity conversation. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure. They don't even want, even if he lives at the end, they don't they don't want to necessarily feel like they have to reference this momentous thing down the road that may or may not happen you know
0: sure fair enough
1: hello denizens of earth 1218 we are the hosts of make mine multiversity a twice monthly podcast i'm jayna and i'm elias make mine multiversity is your handy guide to all things marvel
2: each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of marvel creators characters themes
1: whatever Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men. Sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present. And sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion.
2: Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior.
0: Excelsior indeed. So let, let's toss some praise over to Hitch here. Um, I know all of us are, are fans of Hitch to varying degrees. And Zach pointed out earlier that sometimes who inks hitch makes a big difference and so how did you guys think that this work was stacking up versus what brian hitch is typically doing at, at you know for in, in a book like this where where the, the the there is clearly lots of time and money given to him to make this look its best
2: i think it looks great i i, I really think this is some of the best hitch I've seen in a while. And I don't know whether that's t- to do with, with Nolan's assist or, um, or what, but I, I just, I, um, I really think, I mean, hitch is known for like the widescreen action staging. So this is nothing new, but like, I really do think those action scenes look so much better than most of the typical fare that we get week to week. At DC and so on that level like it really does feel prestigious it feels like this is a this is a guy in his element that that does this sort of thing better than just about anyone Um, and it's not always my cup of tea and it's not always what I want my comics to be but I think in in this story it really it really works.
0: Yeah, I, I had a, a particular note about Hitch here, which is that this is gonna sound like I'm unhappy with it, but I don't I don't mean that. This seems a little bit more snapshotty than we're used to seeing Hitch being in terms of there's not a ton of like movement in this. But because this is all framed as a ostensibly it's a story that Clark is writing it did sort of feel like the photographs that would accompany a newspaper story or a magazine story. And so I think that that the sort of stayed nature of some of these images actually works to the story's benefit, especially early on, when it really is when you do get the sense that you're reading the article versus later on when it's more of just Clark telling his own story. Mm
1: -hmm. I do like that little bit at the beginning where it, it starts off as clark telling the story but then it transitions into superman's narration of the story um did you catch that yes yes yeah. yeah i thought that was a really nice little touch um but that's more on the writing side of things yeah i i do agree with you i think i do agree with you with it being a little bit more snapshotty i really i really think that this is like a big upgrade for hitch um you know comparing this to like say something that like just came out which is the ultimate first issue of ultimate invasion um i don't know if it's just like nolan inking i don't know if it's the colors but i i think that this looks better than that um this this feels like a great marriage of like classic hitch with some of the best of hitch on hawkman which i think we all like yes. generally liked quite a bit
0: yes i I did get a lot of hawkman vibes especially in the coloring here yeah. i did not check if it was the same colorist or not but it definitely felt hawkman-y
1: yeah yeah the david david baron on colors which i, I didn't check and see who was the primary colorist on hawkman either but um i it just I think it looks really good, and it really it does play to a lot of Hitch's strengths. Like we said, you know, opening especially with like the big um, island destruction and getting to see those kind of like widescreen shots of um, uh, you know the city being destroyed, but also like the very like big dynamic scenes of of Clark fixing it. Um, that that all looks really good. Um, but then even especially like the Candor scenes, I think look really really good um even the smallville scenes look really good i think so yeah this is i think pretty impressive stuff from hitch
0: well um the candor stuff was specifically where i was getting a lot of the hawkman vibes from Uh and i wonder if that's just because of like the general super science stuff that we saw in some of the Hawkman issues
1: probably, yeah probably but but still yeah I don't think that I think the comparison is still like pretty apt.
0: yeah yeah overall I, I thought this was some of the best Hitch stuff we've seen as of late mm-hmm. um which is good to see yeah you know uh Hitch is, Hitch is somebody who went from being like be, before Hitcher's doing a ton at DC I was a huge Hitch fan. When Hitch came to DC, I was so excited. And then after a couple of things, it seemed like Hitch was just doing projects that I didn't really care about at DC anymore. Like that just that Justice League book that he was doing for a while. And then with Hawkman, as he sort of re re re-energized my Hitch fandom at DC. And then this is this is multibane. (laughs) Yep. Any other thoughts about this book?
2: Yeah. A couple other notes. Um, (laughs) I, I liked the, uh, in the beginning where there's that, that big, uh, mech that Lex is piloting, um, that, that you alluded to making the earthquake. Um, it is the most Lex Luthor looking uh, mech I've ever seen, uh, purple and green and everything. and, and, (laughs) And the narration is kind of like, who could who could be behind something like this? And then, and then Superman like rips it apart, and he's like, Ah, you! Of course, it's you! It's like, yeah, it's the most. Haven't you ever read a
1: comic book before?
0: Like, who Jokerized these fries? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. but it, it's also very funny though because it's like revealed that you know it's not even something that Lex built himself. It's yes, it, it's something that he stole and then painted blue, purple, yeah. and green is the implication, which yeah. is very good.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> yes. That that part was very good. Um I also liked the character bit where, where again young uh Clark and, and Lex they observe the the meteor um hitting Earth and then Lex immediately says you you could go and lay claim to it and and Clark's like or we could just enjoy like a, a beautiful sight in the sky mm-hmm. at night you know and again, just another it's not it's not you know subtle or anything but it's a, a, a really naturally written um insight into both of their characters mm-hmm. um So yeah that bit was good. I thought the. Um, the stuff with Lex and um, General Zod particularly was a well-written way to figure out how to acknowledge the Phantom Zone as a possible way around this and then figure out a credible and smart way to take it off the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and did it fairly quickly. You know, one one worries that like, oh, okay, Superman's gonna plop Lex in the Phantom Zone, and then it's gonna stretch out this. It's gonna delay the the urgency of Lex dying, right? Um, in the way that comic books that are decompressed sometimes do, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, Wade within a matter of you know eight pages or whatever it is takes it off the table at the end and um and pitting lex and zod against one another again in a very smart way because like obviously they're both nemesis nemeses of superman and they would have their reasons to team up and but lex knows he can't do that just yet if he wants to be able to live beyond his illness and so the way that the way that wade navigates all that um is really smart and i think hitch and the coloring in that section really shines too um was the colorist again david Mm Barron. um it because it's the phantom zone everything is purposefully muted but it's not one of my complaints when, when you do like purposefully muted colors is that things look muddy or just kind of unappealing to look at. Um, And I think, I think they navigate that well and they avoid that here. I think it's done with a purpose and um, you know, it's not, it's just the phantom zone section and Superman kind of stands out as a beacon of color within the, the grayscale that the the phantom zone otherwise represents. And I think all of that's done really, that whole segment is really effective. Um, when I was almost ready to go, Oh no, this is going to be, this is going to be a segment I'm not interested in because it's going to um, delay the urgency of Lex's situation, I guess is what I was worried about. Yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a good that's a good observation you know like so much happens just in this one little section in the phantom zone too you know and it it's over relatively quickly uh you know i think like a a lesser writer would have maybe drugged this out into the next issue uh and and i see that temptation but Wade is like no we're we're in we're out this has served its purpose Mm -hmm. uh yeah so good stuff
0: I did have one last question about the book Uh, in the sequence where Clark brings uh, Lex to the Fortress of Solitude and is showing him the bottle city of Candor, Lex says, what is this? Some kind of alien ant farm Uh, is, is he referencing the band? Does Mark Wade knew, know who alien ant farm is?
1: I'm sure he does. Yeah.
0: Vince, what do you think?
1: He has to,
2: I think that is a, Band that would have had their music played on the TV series Smallville, and so I think that
0: that's where that comes in. Do you think Mark Ray was watching Smallville every week? I don't know.
1: Oh, I'm. Sh- I feel like he was. Yeah, he was you downloading know, I've, I've, and reading
2: I've, the scripts online.
1: I've been thinking about watching Smallville again. No,
2: don't.
0: No, no.
1: It's hard though because of Chloe.
0: It's oh uh, yes, they did. They did appear in a Smallville episode. Uh, the episode <laughs> the is band called themselves did? The song did. Oh, okay. Um, that, was,
1: that would have been even funnier if the band themselves were in there.
0: Their song <laughs> Movies, which I would say is their second biggest hit after the Smooth Criminal cover, that's was in so the episode sad. X-Rays. What was that? I'm sorry?
2: I said that's so sad that their most famous song is a, not uh, a particularly good cover either of a... Michael no. Jackson song.
0: Uh, I believe this was a se- yeah, season one, episode four, Alien F Farm song, movies, a play, mo- yeah, movies, uh, appears uncredited, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, just in case you were curious, other songs from that episode, Breathe You In by Stabbing Westward, <laughs> Analyze by the Cranberries, oh. Ooh, La La by the Wise Guys, Unbroken by Todd Thibode, Up All Night by Unwritten Law, and Wall in Your Heart by Shelby Lynn.
1: Man, all okay. those songs in one
0: episode. So yeah. here's
2: here's the thing: Zach is gonna rewatch Smallville, and as yeah. as he re-watches it, I will listen to the soundtrack along with it. <laughs> I
1: like it. Every you know, song
2: that was in a show, in an episode, I will watch. The, the pilot had Bruce Hornsby in it. Man, oh
1: man, the, the, the and early, the range. I don't remember no. how many like season like soundtracks that they released. I know they did one for the first season, and they might have done one for the second season too. Uh huh. Uh, Had some bangers. Not like, not necessarily like Digimon soundtrack quality, but you know. (laughs) Well,
0: nothing. What is? What is exactly? I was
1: putting it on repeat for a while.
0: Yeah. Oh man, this this pilot. You're right, Vince. This is this is quite the lineup here.
2: Hey, look at the second episode for a little treat for you,
0: Brian. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Loading it up. Loading it up. I'm I'm gonna guess. Okay, I I haven't opened it yet. I'm gonna guess they played "Island in the Sun" by Weezer. Let's see. That feels Opening like a up. really
1: good guess. Yep, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man, that's uh, funny, yeah. I not not shocking. None of that is shocking. I think I think every show released in the fall of two thousand one had to have "Island in the Sun" in it somewhere. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I I bet actually. Where is this streaming now? Uh, it's definitely on Hulu because I saw it the other day. I'm gonna bet that aside on
1: HBO too, though, right? I would think. I don't know they they cut they a lot might, of yeah, stuff. They
0: yeah. Did, yeah, Aside from the the theme song by Remy Zero, "Somebody Save Me," I feel like all this other music is not going to actually be in the episodes anymore. It's all going to now be canned music. Oh,
2: that's you're you're probably right. That's terrible. You think? Really oh, so not. like, so,
0: yeah. So like, one of my favorite shows of all time, MTV's The State Sketch Comedy Show that so much of that was based around modern music and it's all just canned music now because they don't have the rights to play it anymore.
2: That would be terrible. Yeah. You were going to have to go to the um the torrented uh, rips of yeah, the well, episodes straight from the
0: With the, straight straight with early 2000s uh commercials as well. Oh, inshallah.
1: I did use I did have it all on DVD at one point but I I got rid of them.
2: Oh, and I bet those DVDs have the real songs
1: on them. Uh, Oh, yeah, they would have to. They wouldn't have to. They
2: wouldn't have to, but I bet they do just because they were
1: released contemporary. Uh, Yes. Yes. I I don't know why they wouldn't. Like, surely they would have the license long enough to release.
0: Some of of that time, you only get the license for the live recording. The one episode. Yeah, the live viewings, rather. Or whenever it's played on the air, it's fine.
1: I wonder if... I wonder how many times this has happened and I've just not noticed it
0: in like shows that I watch. I don't know. It's fairly common. I mean, I think it's different if, if an episode is built around something, they will like work to get that, that show that song in the show. But a lot of times it is just, it's not worth the money to, uh, to, you know, to invest in it. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's been Smallville chat for this week. Uh, yeah. Vince what comes out next week
2: next week being the first week of October yes.
0: uh, August and... you mean yes I'm, I'm really fucked up sorry do we have a time traveler with us tonight uh yes <laughs> um
2: and and guess what there's gonna be a lot of bad comics in October oh boy um Adventures of Superman John Kent number six um
1: oh that'll be interesting to flip through
2: maybe yeah. C- City boy number three. Justice Society of America, number five, if you can believe it. Uh, Night, okay. Terrors ba- Night Terrors Batman, number two, Black Adam, number two, Poison Ivy, number two, Ravager, number two, the Joker, number two, um, Peacemaker Tries Hard, number four, the super- The Sandman Universe special Thessaly, number one, um, and Steelworks, number three.
0: That Thessaly issue, I definitely read out loud last week, so it's been delayed since we last recorded. Oh, OK.
2: Or, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Or the or the League of Comic Geeks is wrong. How dare that League! Um But yeah, that's it for this week. If you have to follow two th- follow us, uh, if, or rather if you want to get in touch with us, two thirds of us are on social media of some sort. Although I don't think any of us are actively using Twitter anymore, are we? No, 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 and I and I never was. I know you never were, but Zach and I still technically have Twitter accounts, but we're not really checking it. Uh, you can find me on threads or blue sky at Brian needs app.
1: And I'm, I'm at threads at the woke of Z.
0: If you need to find Vince, he is torrenting the entire series of Smallville because he needs the authentic versions.
2: <laughs> I do. I would, if, if I were to watch it, I really would be bothered by, uh,
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't rewatch the whole thing, but I would look up like a list of all the important episodes and watch that.
0: You watch mm-hmm. the one where Amy Adams is in a fat suit.
1: Yeah, that is important.
0: That is yes. <laughs> for some people. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, thanks for listening, folks. I'm, I'm now caught up on the Mission Impossible series, and I can tell you that uh, Henry Cavill's mustache was worth fucking Justice League over for.